0: Get your Bibles, we're going to go into the book of Hebrews tonight, that's where we're going to launch champions, and then that's where probably we will end up uh, at the end of August, uh, again in the book of Hebrews, and we're just going to dig around in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, as you might have guessed, the, the hall of fame of, of the faith. And uh, so, Father, we praise you for this tonight. And we're, I'm so excited about what you're doing, and and about some of the things we're going to discover this summer. Uh, and uh, there's some people that are speaking that have told me who they're who they're speaking about, and I can't wait to hear what they're bringing from uh, the Old Testament. So let's start with Hebrews uh, chapter one. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11. We'll look at verse one, and then we're going to jump around in there. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 1 says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And this, we always quote that. You hear people quoting that. But the next line just leaps off the page at me. It says, For by it, the elders, those in our history, kingdom history, by faith, those that came before us in the kingdom, obtained a good report. How many want a good report? If you, I mean, when you're in school, you want a good report card. We talk about report cards all the time in our house. And uh, Madeline would remember that. And uh, we talk about uh, good, uh, having a good report. And uh, every time that report card comes and, and the kids are looking at the marks that they received and the things that were said about them or, or whatever, that, that gleam on their face when they're straight A's. You know, let's get a good report. Well, the scripture says that by faith, the elders obtained a good report. They, and, and the translation that I'm using, I believe this is uh, New King James Version, it says a good testimony. So, it's, so the report is not just a report card how you did, but it's a declaration of what happened in your life, how they obtained a good testimony, something that God wanted talked about. How many would like to have some things happen in your life that for future generations, God wants it talked about. I think that should be part of the framework of the life of every believer. There's something deposited in you that will produce something out of your life that future generations can talk about. I was sharing with uh, matt today on the phone on, the, on skype when i was talking to when i was talking to him he was asking after he ministered to rachel he was asking about them and i i shared how daphne came uh and how rachel and chris met and and, and kind of some of the things that they went through after he ministered to her at first he didn't want to know anything about her but then afterwards we were talking about her and uh i shared that that the lord had shown me out of chris's life that that his i think it was his great grandparents that were pentecostal preachers and how that uh the Lord showed me that that they cried out when they saw their family moving away from an experience of faith with God and a walk with God. They begin to cry out, God, raise up a man. And I saw them in their intercession and I saw them praying, God, raise up a man that'll walk with you, that'll turn the generations back to you. At some point in our future, Lord, don't forget us. Raise up a man. And the Lord said, your son-in-law, he's the man. He's the answer to their prayer. He's the guy I raised up to turn the generations back. And then whenever uh, Rachel was expecting Daphne, I woke up in the middle of the night prophesying over her. And the Lord began to talk about the uh, convergence of uh, spiritual uh, heritage of our family and of Chris's family, those generations before, there was some spiritual heritage there. And God said that in her life there was going to come a convergence of spiritual heritage. So I understand that that uh, if they teach her to walk circumspectly before the Lord, and they apply the the uh, seed of understanding to her, and and keep her walking in the straight and narrow way, and say to her, "As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord," and Teach her that she, she has no choice but to walk with God. She has a destiny in God. And that if they do that and they do that well, that she will walk under a convergence of mantling of, of my family and, and Laura's family and Chris's family and all, all of those uh, spiritual mantles that come together and that conver- converge in this, li- this little life, this little girl. And I was sharing that with Matt today and I was telling him and it was so cool because when Chris called his grandmother and he says, Grandma, Daphne, uh, we, we had the baby and it's a girl and we named her Daphne and, and she says, what day was she born on? And he told her and she said, she was born on your grandfather's birthday. She was born on that preacher's birthday. And I was telling, the whole time Rachel was pregnant, I said, she's coming forth the day God wants her to be born. And she was born on that uh, way. The Lord went all the way back and connected her to her spiritual heritage three generations back. Connected her right to that mantle that he wants over her life. So what are the things that God wants to do in the life of average everyday people like us in this obscure little place called Fresno that half the people, I mean, the the majority of the people in the country drive down Highway 99 and they see those ugly hotels from years gone by and they think, this is Fresno? Who would want to be from Fresno? and Laura's, Laura said that her mother said when, when, I told, when we told her we were moving to Fresno she had a picture of tumbleweeds blowing down the road like it was some one horse town you know and so people drive through and they, they have no idea what goes on in this community or, or the people that exist here and live here and, and, and particularly that walk with God here what is deposited in your life that God sees that future generations are going to talk about he wants them to talk about it that's, that's the champions of the kingdom when God designs and does something in your life that future generations will discuss the Bible says these good testimonies were obtained through faith they weren't obtained through glorious experiences some of the experiences were glorious But they were not all obtained through glorious, great, grand, exciting experiences. Some of them were obtained through great difficulty and high prices were paid. But God wrote something in the life of those histories that he wanted us to talk about, so he put it in his words so that it would never be forgotten. Well, there's some things he wants to work out in your life that he'll write in the hearts of your children. You see, it's always been God's purpose that that your children would tell their children and their children would tell their children. And you go back through the history of Israel as God began to deal with him. And he said, set up markers, establish memorials for the things that I do so that your children, when they pass by and they see that marker that's there, what is that visual that is there? Why is that there? So you can tell them the story of what I did. That's why we put a cross in our church. Because it's a marker of a time and a point in history when God redeemed his people from their sin. And we don't worship the cross. We point to it. And when kids say, what's the cross all about? We get to say it's about a man named Jesus who redeemed us from our sin. So, the Bible says that they obtained this good testimony, this good story, this good history through faith. They didn't obtain it through being a superhero. They were not any great individuals in their day. They were just obscure, average folks from Fresno or Clovis or Galilee or wherever. They were just average. But but here's what it says. In verse 13, I want you to jump down to verse 13. These all died in faith. We're going to talk about that in a little bit toward the end of this chapter. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. That's what faith is. we, We read, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. But it is actually described in verse 13. They died in faith. They had promises from God they could see. How many times you've cried out for your children and for your loved ones because what you see is them sitting by you in worship and entering in with you to the presence of the Lord. What you see is see them in the prayer room with you participating in the presence of God. So you pray that God brings them in because you see it. That's faith. Faith is seeing what's supposed to be there and declaring that it is so he says these all died in faith not having received the promise they didn't they didn't in their lifetime obtain everything that they saw we're going to talk about that but having seen them afar off listen 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 to this they saw it afar off and then he says here and they were assured of it Okay, I have to ask you this. Do you see the promises of God that are ahead of you? And are you assured of them? Are you certain of them? I said on Sunday, I I live with the expectation that next year is better than this year. That next month is better than this month. That next week is better than this week. That the days ahead of me are better than the days behind me. And if, you were, if, you were, if today I was sitting with you and you were going through a crisis and it seems like you were losing some of the most precious things to you, I would declare to you that God saw that day and that what is ahead of you is better than what is behind you. It's a promise of God for the believer. So they said, and let's read through a couple of verses there, maybe through verse 16 or so. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed them that they were strangers and pilgrims. Embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. They said, we don't even belong here. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland as And truly, if they had called to mind the country from where they had come out, they would have had an opportunity to return. But now they desire a a better heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared... for them. He has prepared a city for them. Now, listen to this. I ask you the question. I want you to think about this every week. What are the characteristics that belong in the life of an individual that creates an environment where circumstances arise that God wants to be told and shared to the next generation? We just read some of those characteristics. They confessed they were assured of their promise that they could see afar off and they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. Now listen to the verbiage there. They had they not received their promise. They saw them afar off. They were assured of them and they embraced them. Well, how do you embrace something you don't have yet? Through assurance. They were assured of them. They were certain of them. You cannot convince me on my worst day that God is not in the process of blessing my life. On my worst day, I will assure you that God is in the process of blessing my life. Well, people around you go, well, now that's just really stupid. You just look like, you, well, I don't care what I look like. I care what he's promised me. I see it afar off. I see that my children's children's children will still be declaring the name of Jesus in the earth should the Lord tarry that long. I see that my great-great-grandchildren will be preaching the gospel just as I am and will be carrying the prophetic mantle and actually will be carrying it all in an increased measure. None of them should fall short of anything that I've accomplished. I see it. All right. So he says, they saw it, they were assured of it, and they embraced it, and they confessed. We're strangers and pilgrims. We don't, even, we don't even fit in here. All right. You as a believer need to get used to not fitting in. This is not the place of your citizenship. You don't belong here. Your citizenship, the scripture says, is in heaven, is in eternity, you just happen to be a stranger and a pilgrim. You happen to be an ambassador for the kingdom. You happen to be uh, living in this country, but living under the laws of the kingdom of God. Under the authority of the kingdom of God. Isn't that great? So he says, they uh, confess themselves to be strangers and pilgrims, declaring that they seek a homeland. Now listen to the, listen to the instruction here if they had taken the opportunity to call to mind, to meditate upon where they came from, if they had taken the time to meditate on where they had come from, they would have had an opportunity to return. I'll give you an example. My parents, my entire life, you would have thought that eastern Oklahoma was the greatest place on the face of the earth because my whole life they said, when you kids are grown, we're going to Oklahoma. And I said, not me. And sure enough, they moved to Oklahoma and they lived there for seven or eight years and then when dad passed, just before he passed, they came back and he passed away and, and, and just a few years later, mom's back in Oklahoma because they spent their life remembering the good old days. No, nothing's wrong with that. I'm not condemning them for that. That's fine. But the scripture, that's an that's a example in the natural of spiritual things. He said, if they had taken the time to call to mind the country from where they had come out, the thing that I had called them out of, they would have had an opportunity to return. This should tell you something about righteousness and sin. I'm going to tell you something. Your testimony is not even as much what God saved you out of as it is what he's done in your life since he got a hold of you. It kind of freaks me out when I hear believers talking about the good old days and it's about before they met Jesus when they were wild and crazy with their behaviors and when they were involved in lewdness and and, and sinfulness and uh, waywardness. And they talk about it like that was some fun time. Give me a break. You are setting yourself up to go back. You're going to have an occasion to return. You're going a temptation will rise in front of you to return. Well, we do that with fear and depression and frustration and. All of those things and, and everything daddy put me through and everything mama put me through and everything that went wrong in my life and woe is me and I am undone. And let go, let, let go. Jesus is your father, is your brother. I, I, God is your father. And, and that is now your history. Yes. Drop the rest of that stuff. Let it go. Anyway, that was free. Listen, this is what every believer ought to be shooting for in their walk with God. They, de- they confessed their strangers and pilgrims, they seek a homeland, they gave themselves no space or cause to return, they declared that they desire a better and heavenly place, and so it says of them, based upon that, God is not ashamed of them. It didn't say they didn't make a mistake. It didn't say they didn't stumble. It didn't say they didn't fall. It didn't say they weren't completely imperfect. It didn't even say that they didn't bring an embarrassment and a reproach. If you read their history, some of them did. Some of the most popular from Bible history brought great reproach at times. God was not concerning himself with that. He wasn't concerning himself with their failures. He was concerning himself with the fact that they got up, dusted themselves off, and said, I don't fit here. I don't belong here. I have a citizenship over there. I'm going to keep walking toward him. I'm going to keep walking with him. I'm not going to forget who called me out of that country that I'm not going back to. So it says, God is not ashamed to be called their God, and he has prepared a city for them. So now, jump down to verse, from 16 down to verse 33. And I want to talk, that, that whole, from verse 16 all the way through verse 32, he names, there's all kinds of heroes of faith that are named. Some of them you're going to hear about oh, throughout the summer. And he names a list of names all the way down through verse 32. And then in verse 33 he says, who through faith, he starts talking about what they did subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness. We're going to read down through through verse 38. Uh, Worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the enemy. Uh, Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Oh, wow. Still, others had trials of mocking and scourgings and chains and imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. How many want to be a person of faith? Woohoo! No, he's contrasting. He's talked about all, all through the prior part of that. He's talked about those guys that, that we, we, we look at like David and, and, and different ones who lived in the, in the palace and, and had great opulence and great resource and, and horses and chariots and people at their disposal. He's talking about those guys and these obscure people over here like us. People nobody knew. In fact, God cared so much about them that he goes on from verse, from verse 33, he's giving you some names coming up to verse 33. Then in verse 35, he starts talking about nameless individuals of faith. Women, he just says, women receive their dead to life again. Women. Women saw their loved ones raised from the dead. By faith, they obtained that report. By faith, they obtained that report. That came because they had their trust in God. They didn't trust in their circumstances. Then he goes on, he says, Others. I I found myself in Scripture. I'm in others. Others. A nameless champion of faith. Think about this. We don't don't read Hebrews chapter 11 like this enough. Others, they were tortured. Listen to this. Not accepting deliverance. That means there were some who were being tortured, who had the opportunity to find an avenue of deliverance and chose to stay in their circumstance. Because to leave their circumstance would have been a reproach against their declaration of faith. There's a story of this guy in communist China who was shot and killed for his faith and the people of the church were standing by and the... the, uh, army officials were trying to make a point and so they said uh he's the he says to this man and his wife and his children and they're all standing there in front of the with a gun pointed at him and he says just deny your faith and come home with me and you will have dinner and and the story that was told was that his wife leaned over and said who wants to have dinner with him when tonight we can have supper with the king of kings That kind of grace, the strength to walk through that kind of process so that we don't know their name, we don't know the circumstances, but their story is still being told today. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. They had an avenue of deliverance and chose, let me stay with with, uh, the the kingdom of God and with uh, the, the declaration of my faith. So others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings and chains and imprisonments. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were slain with a sword. I want you to think about the verses between, when you're in Hebrews chapter 11, between uh, verse 16 and verse 33. All of those verses from verse 16 through verse 33, talk about all of these great things that people did. Verse 17 talks about Abraham offering up Isaac. What a great champion of faith. When he picked up that knife and he held it over Isaac's body, he was willing to slay his own son at the instruction of God that he trusted and served concluding that God was able to raise them up. Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. He prophesied over his children concerning things to come by faith. He prophesied over them and told them the good things that were going to arise in their life and the blessing of the Lord that was going to arise in them. And so all of these verses, they talk about... Uh, things of great faith and and Moses, he goes out and he, he refuses to be called Pharaoh's son and he counts himself an Israelite and brings the people to deliverance. And oh, what a great champion Moses was. He was, absolutely. But then God goes on and he says, okay, there's not enough paper to write all this down. But there were others. There were others. And they endured some hardship. And they experienced some things. And I don't, just because we don't know their names and, and we didn't get an opportunity to give you the details of their circumstances, let me tell you that their, their uh, walk of faith was just as important to me as, as those that we've named, as, as David and as, uh, as Moses and Abraham and Jacob and, and all, these, all of Joseph and all these guys, that, that, that these others were just as important in my mind, the Holy Spirit says, that I want you to be sure and understand by faith they subdued kingdoms. By faith, he says there uh, in uh, verse 33, they worked righteousness. By faith they escaped the edge of the sword. By faith, how many can say, by faith at times in weakness you have been made strong. You've stood in your weakest moments and declared, He is yet my God. So he goes on and he says that these others, they were tortured. They didn't accept deliverance. They, they had trials of mockings and scourgings. They had chains and imprisonments. They were stoned. They were sawn in two, tempted, slain by the sword, wandered around in sheepskins. Listen to what he says. I love the way that the Holy Spirit wraps all this up. He just wraps this up so beautifully. This is packaged so well for you and I, because we see something of God that we do not see anywhere else in Scripture the way that we see it in this moment. He says, wandered around in sheepskins, verse 37, sheepskins and goatskins, destitute afflicted and tormented and listen to what god says in the first part of verse 38 of whom the world was not worthy i think we're living among some champions of whom the world is not worthy I think sometimes we're bumping up against them and we don't even realize that the faith that it is taking for them to walk the walk that they are walking and to go through the things that they are going through and to live the life that they're living and, and the relationship that they're developing with God through the trial of their life and through the difficulty of the moments that they're experiencing, that, in, that we're bumping up against some champions that fall under the others category. They're not named They didn't get written down in history in great detail, but yet God said, they're important to me and the world is not worthy of them. It's interesting to me that back over here, they're declaring, I I don't even belong here. I don't fit in here. I'm not a citizen here. I'm seeking a country and a homeland. I'm seeking a city whose builder and maker is God. And then on the other side of the discussion, then God says, they got it. The world's not even worthy of them. They are better than anything this world has to offer. I wonder if you can hear God speaking about you that way. That he looks at you and he says, I- I'm going to get them someday because the world is not worthy of them. I was thinking as, as uh, I was standing over... The casket when Brian uh, passed and, w- and we were at the graveside. There's going to be a memorial here. Y'all have to come because uh, you'll be encouraged. Uh, just just come for the encouragement element of it. it it's just going to be great. It's not going to be a sad day. Um, but anyway, uh, I was thinking as his casket was laying there and they're getting ready to lower it in the earth, and, and, and all those folks are standing around and they're just bursting out into song. They're singing, Going Up Yonder and, and uh, Oh Happy Day. Who sings Oh Happy Day at a funeral? Oh Happy Day. You know, I mean, they're just going after it. And I'm thinking. As they were sharing their stories, and this lady stood in front of Vanetta and said, Because you and Brian spoke into my life, I'm walking with God today. And then I'm hearing, Of whom the world is not worthy. Okay, that wasn't an early exit, that was just a change in address. He just moved on into eternal reward and, 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 and eternal expectations. Of whom the world is not worthy of whom the world is not worthy. I think you ought to highlight that and memorize it and remind yourself of it and write it on your mirror in front of your eyes every morning. Get up and go, ooh, of whom the world is not worthy. Now listen to this, listen. I want you, uh, people ask this question, champions of the faith, in their low moments of life, Ask questions like, where is God in this moment? Okay, you can be a champion and ask that question. You can be a champion in the faith and say, God, are you hearing me? God, do you know where I am? And then he does things like happened to Rachel today and he just sends someone from halfway around the world to call up and give you a word from God and remind you that he knows exactly where you are and exactly what you're going through. So it's okay, he's, he's a big God. He can handle your questions. But I want you as a believer to come to a place of maturity to understand that there are some things that God has promised you. And I've said this before, but I just want to frame it in this discussion. That there, there are things that God has promised you that are for the here and now. And there are things that God has promised you that are for eternity. And he has not described to you which ones particularly are or always or for now and which ones are for later. But he makes, he makes promises to you through the course of your life, that have nothing to do with whether you're alive on this earth or not. Because you're an eternal being. And so we read here, and this is established in this passage, uh, verse 39, these all, having obtained this good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. Some of them died in their sheepskins and their goatskins, and, uh, and through some of them with the sword and some of them with uh, torture and everything else that could possibly be named, that uh, everything you can think of died going, God, is this really you? And some of us are going through some things in our life and we're saying, God, uh, is this really you? Are you really ordering my steps right now, right now, when everything's going wrong? But listen to what he says. These, all these, having obtained a good testimony, a good report through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us. Would you just memorize those words? God has provided something better for us. That they should not be perfected apart from us. You see, there's some things that God has promised you and therefore right now, he wants to bless your socks off. He wants you to have the blessing of the Lord. But there's some folks, you know, it's like, you look at their life and their situation, and their, their whole life has been hard. And I keep telling people, it's not fair. It wasn't designed to be fair. It was only designed to be right. It was only designed to be righteous. It wasn't designed to be fair. If it was designed to be fair, everybody has to have the same difficulty and the same challenge. If it was, he didn't design it to be fair. He designed it to be right, to be righteous. But there are some things that God has promised you that he purposed to give you now. And he purposed to to rise in your life now. There's some things that he's promised you that he wants to give you at the time of your perfecting, at the time of your eternal inheritance that we would all inherit together because there's going to be a big celebration. There's going to be a big party where rewards are handed out. And God's going to say to some of those others, remember what you believed me for throughout your life in the earth, now enter into that joy. Enter into the fullness of that promise. You had some of it. You had a taste of it. You had good things that happened all along the way. You had blessing all along the way. But enter into the fullness of that promise. Come right on in. I'm going to that party. I hope you are too. Well, going to that party, he said, God provided something better for us, essentially, that they and we should be perfected together, simultaneously, all at the same party, all at the same time. So there's just some things that God, you know, you know, it's one thing uh, to, to give a gift. I love to give people a gift and, and it's wonderful to, to receive a gift. I, I like my children receiving a gift. It's wonderful when someone comes by and they leave a gift for you. But most people, when they give you a gift, they want to be there to watch you open it. And I think there's just some things that God said, you know what, I want them to be standing in front of me. I want to see their face when I release this into their life, when I unfold my great promises to them. So God's designed champions throughout history. We still have great history written from, from when the scripture itself, the only book in the Bible, the book in the Bible that's still being written is the book of Acts. And so you have great historians who've written the stories of the revivalists and all kinds of things that have happened in the, and the Azusa Street Papers. And all. That's just Acts continued. He's still writing the story about the others. That story is still being written. You and I can be part of that story. That's the reason for an emphasis on champions. Because God has called us to live the life. You don't get to pick what gets dished out to you, but you get to live by faith through those seasons of life. And God's called us, to champion the faith in the midst of the mundane, in the midst of the process, in the midst of what at times is very difficult, in the midst of the unknown, in the midst of the unexpected, in the midst of, of things happening around us over which we have no control at all. God has called us to champion the faith and the story of the others is still being written. So we're going to look at the characteristics all summer long of champions of the faith, and we're going to see what characteristics need to be in place in our life so that we can be among the others in kingdom history when we get to heaven and we open the history books in heaven, that we're going to be there. And the times that we've championed the faith and stood for the cause and and declared the name of Jesus when it wasn't particularly easy to do.